guys, and welcome back to another episode of Midnight Muse. I'm Matea Lene, and today I'm back with a topic I find really intriguing. It's the power of likability in a status-obsessed world. Uh, Before I start today, I just wanted to actually chat really quick about the title of the podcast, which is Midnight Muse. It's kind of weird because my first few years of college, I was just such a night owl, and I would stay up until 2 or 3 a.m. every night and draw, read, or write, and something along those lines, but then somewhere along the way, I started going to bed early and earlier. Maybe it was because I started traveling more and I needed to wake up earlier for class and flights or something, or maybe it was old age, but (laughs) regardless, I've definitely been a morning person the past couple years until this past week, and I'm kind of starting to switch back to being a night owl, which I think I kind of prefer for some reason. I don't know, it's just really nice to be awake in the darkness and the quiet and spending time just by yourself creating or absorbing. And in those hours of like 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., I think are really, really inspiring just because of the way those hours can make you feel for some reason. I'm, I don't know what it is really, but... I have a special Spotify playlist I like to put on during those hours and it just gives a really, really neat feeling for some reason that ends up resulting in my best work for some odd reason. Long story short, this story is inspired by those hours and those feelings and I'm excited that I'm starting to kind of switch back to that late night workflow. Today I was cleaning my room and organizing my workspace a bit and I came across one of my little notebooks from when I would sit and write early days in college and muse at midnight. (laughs) Yeah, so I found something I wrote a a few years ago that kind of describes the feeling I would get and so it goes, I know 2 a.m. the way it weaves through quiet streets and whispers through your window. It's all so familiar, the tossing and turning, the never-ending inspiration and the cloud of thoughts. The power struggle to shut down just long enough to finally fall asleep. I know 2 a.m. Probably far better than I should. And then I made another one early days in college and it goes, There's a love I haven't yet loved, be it a person, place, or passion. I delight in the fact that I have so much to fall in love with for the very first time. There are dreams I haven't dreamt and places I have yet to know. What a marvelous thought that there's so much room for me to grow kind of cheesy, I know, but that's what early college days Matea was up to. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, so today I just wanted to chat about a concept pulled from a book by Mitch Princeton. It's called Popular, and basically it just dives into the differences between status and likability, which is honestly something that I had never really stopped to think about. But when you break it down, it makes sense that the two are completely different. So I've pulled some thoughts and lines from Mitch's book that I'll share. And the first quote that I've pulled is, We teach writing and arithmetic. We expect folks to do very well in science and reading from a very early age. But the ability to establish great relationships with others seems to be every bit as important to success, if not more yet it's not taught in a formal way. We usually learn about relationships by trial and error. 
So this is something that I think we all think about on a more frequent basis and it goes hand in hand with emotional intelligence. Growing up, I think our core classes were just really pushed upon us, but there's no curriculum really about emotional intelligence and awareness as well as networking, I guess. As we get older, there's those networking courses. Uh, my school had one called SLU wait slew 101 no i don't know it's with career services but they're supposed to teach you how to network but just in my experience it's been more about the basics and formalities as opposed to actually trying to weave a conversation in a way that's natural and feeds off of basic human connection you know and i just wonder what the world would be like if we were raised to be more aware of emotional intelligence and how it impacts our daily interactions, what is and isn't acceptable by most people and why, but we live in a time where everyone is able to hold their own opinion, you know, so I don't see that one ever coming to life, but it's definitely something I sure wonder about, and I guess a part of it as well is that Everyone's narrative is so entirely different from their neighbors that what may work in a relationship for one person may very well not work for their peer, and so that's probably why things are the way they are. (laughs) So then the book continues on to say, Popularity can reflect status, not a measure of how well-liked a person is, but rather of their dominance, visibility, power, and influence. It's this line that really got me to understand that status is not the same thing as likability. So status seems to be based on dominance and presence, which I didn't ever think about since for some reason I just mixed status and likability into one in my brain. I probably didn't even stop to consider what likability is and what it entails, to be honest, but... According to Mitch Princeton, likability is the popularity we should care about. It's not necessarily powerful, dominant, or highly visible people, but people that are liked the most. So he then goes on to ask, We typically look down on people that openly crave high status, but is it wrong to desire high status? In this one, I have an internal debate with probably because for some reason at a young age we're taught that high status appears to be greedy and comes with a bunch of negative qualities but if we actually stop to think about it is it so bad to crave things like presence visibility and power i mean personally i guess not but it's probably when it starts to tip over the edge where it starts to become problematic and Yeah, I think that concept is interesting for sure, that question of, is it wrong to desire high status? Going off of that, Mitch says, When we crave social rewards, we don't feel casually about it, but view it as the basis of our self-worth. We may even begin to believe that status is synonymous with contentment. If we aren't famous, powerful, beautiful, wealthy, or influential, then we must be worthless. That's not a recipe for happiness. This is where my brain probably mixed status and likability into one thing, and this is where we can kind of separate the two as well, 
because for some reason we think that people with higher status are more content but I think the stories of celebrities that reach the top that have it all and they find that they're still missing something those stories speak for themselves and then it just becomes a matter of redefining worth on our own in order to achieve some level of contentment and I guess that's why they say it's lonely at the top, you know? (laughs) And it's just easy these days to assume that people like influencers that are constantly playing their highlight reel for the world to see are happier than us. Like, who wouldn't want to be paid to just take photos and work with cool companies all the time, right? But there's always those interviews and posts here and there that just get completely and utterly transparent where these people reveal how exhausted and overwhelmed and even lonely they can be but on the other side their followers are probably thinking like wow they must be so happy they look so happy they're traveling all the time they're doing these cool things and it's all free and they're getting paid to do it and they must be so happy but flip side there's a lot going on we don't know what's going on beneath their surface so yeah it's interesting because in a way as well we have the power to grant one another status and then it raises the question have we granted some of our peers too much status probably i mean it's one thing to enjoy watching celebrities when they entertain us and then it's completely another thing when our fascination with these high status people start to dictate our own behavior and sometimes celebrities are asked to weigh in on things totally outside of their expertise and we take it for bible and then it really does actually become a problem but again it all stems from their status and lately we've all been dealing with this coronavirus and what's interesting is that it just kind of accentuates how individualistic our society is with the every man for himself approach that has seemed to be occurring you know with all of the hoarding and all of that i love the stories about you know people offering to help but they're definitely as well stories about people hoarding and we're definitely not as community based as other areas and it's a bit intriguing because there's probably a correlation between individualistic societies and craving higher status i would think this coronavirus and people's actions demonstrates that in itself and I think that's probably why Americans are so interested in achieving high status is because naturally we're just very individualistic and it's awfully ironic because while the rest of the world is wishing for status those that have it are wishing for likability and that's the type of popularity that is so much easier to achieve which Mitch defines likable people as being generally well-adjusted, smart, but not too smart, often in a good mood, so optimistic, can hold up their end of a conversation, but also make sure to give others a chance to speak as well, are creative, but especially at solving awkward social dilemmas, and they don't disrupt the group. So there's probably a lot of more traits that go into being likable as well, but I mean, those are just the basics, and if you think about a handful of people off the top of your head that you consider to be likable, they may not actually necessarily hold the highest status, but I'm sure that those traits I just listed 
overlap in all of those people popping into your mind, right? Off the top of my head, I can name a few people, but for example, my sister is very likable. She's not, you know, a celebrity or anything. She's very well-respected within her community and people do hold her in high regard, but again, high regard and high status, not necessarily the same thing. So she's got two little girls and her husband is doing radiology currently in the army. She's very smart. She got her master's degree and she was a teacher before being a stay-at-home mom, but it is also, I think, important to note that being a stay-at-home mom is still a profession. Like, I hang out with her girls for a couple hours at most and I'm very exhausted. I have no idea how she does it 24-7. As I'm sure a lot of you know how challenging it is to be a parent, plus it was also just cheaper for her family to have her watch her girls instead of put them in daycare out in the DC area, so there's that as well, (laughs) but anyway, she's pretty optimistic, so people do go to her for encouragement for sure. She's easy to talk to and she strikes a good balance between chatting and listening and she's definitely the peacemaker in our family and she hates tension so she's always trying to keep things going nicely definitely a likable gal I would say so yeah that's just a quick example of someone I know that's very likable as far as raising the next generations go I mean we have to kind of stop and think about what popularity meant to us at their ages as well I think about my middle and high school days where I was pretty concerned with fitting in and whatnot, and yeah, I mean, I think we were all probably pretty aware of popularity levels in those days, wouldn't you say? But it's a little unfortunate that a large part of teen popularity these days, and popularity in general revolves around social media, but it appears that it's here to stay and so we've probably got to figure out how to cope with that and Mitch kind of addresses this and says the effects of social media have less to do with whether we use it and more to do with when we use it how we use it and who we were before we logged in and I think that a really good way that we can work on this is by focusing on the content we consume, by basically just unfollowing accounts that aren't inspiring us anymore. Every couple of months, I try and recurate my newsfeed basically by clearing out accounts that I don't love anymore or just aren't really resonating with me, aren't adding a ton of value to my mind anymore. And it's just a nice little reset to make yourself focus on what you want to choose to focus on and that also includes people you find yourself comparing to so there's been times where I followed like photography accounts and instead of being inspired when I first started following them I started comparing myself to them naturally and have had to unfollow them in order to stay inspired so it's just like you got to do what you got to do you know to stay sane and stay in your lane so how do we choose to prioritize likability over status mitch says prioritizing likability over status means choosing to help our peers rather than exclusively satisfying our own needs showing more interest in others than vying for more attention and power and cultivating relationships more than likes so 
I came up with a few action items for us all this upcoming week to help try and reset our minds to be more in favor of likability and these items should be good to go given our social distancing circumstances as well. And the first is to do what I just mentioned previously. So go through and clear out your feeds on social media with people and accounts that just don't add any value or inspiration to you anymore. And it's possible you've outgrown their content or their relationship. And so maybe it's time to let it go and move forward with accounts that do inspire you in the direction that you want to head. The next one is to engage with at least one person a day that you'd like to build a better connection with and then take it a step further to continue following up with that same person at least once a month. This will probably help you focus on cultivating relationships, which is a bit of what we all need right now, I think. The third one is to start a gratitude journal, or at the very least, think of something you're grateful for when you start your day. This will help translate into a more optimistic mindset off the bat each morning, and likable people tend to stay optimistic. The final one I have is to sit down and carve out some time to define what type of influence you want to have in your community. So everyone is technically an influencer. I really don't like the word influencer to begin with, but I mean, for the sake of context and whatnot, yeah, just brainstorm some different ways you would like to really impact your community. And this part is really important because so much of our desire to hold high status comes from the desire to be influential and have a lot of power. But we have to be in it for the right reasons in order to actually, one, make a meaningful impact, and two, to be likable. So if you can combine the two and find a way to do something meaningful, not only to you, but also to your community and do it in a likable fashion, then you're going to be more likable and that's the best form of impact you could possibly make. Those are just some starting points. If you guys are interested in taking it even further, let me know as I have a bunch of ideas, but I just wanted to share a few today. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I know this episode was slightly longer than usual, but Hopefully these concepts were something a little new to you and I just found the ideas so fascinating and wanted to share. Until next time, guys. Mm -hmm.